Blog Talk Radio. I just paused my intro music. I hope that worked well. I'm using Direct Connect today, so I hope the sound is nice and loud and clear for you. Sometimes I do use my Snowball microphone and record into Audible and then go in and do some uh, sweetening on the sound, but I really wanted to get on air on Blog Talk Radio with Radio with you today so that we can get started because the new year is upon us. And it's not so much that I make New Year's resolutions. I tend to work from goal to goal, no matter what time of the year it is. So right now I'm uh, choreographing and writing a short musical about uh, Urban Berlin. It's kind of a tribute to Irving Berlin, so singing and dancing. And that is going to be paired with a one-act farce that my husband is directing. So short show for one act and then a little musical show for the second act. And so one of my goals is I want to stay healthy and be very energetic and be in good voice for this show so that I can direct and choreograph and perform at my best. And it's the same thing that I want to share with you, my listeners, today. I eat and I train for a purpose. And my purpose is I love singing and dancing and writing and anything to do with the theater. I also love to train people live, so I do need to be healthy and energetic. And back in 2007, I was significantly overweight. Um, I had been obese for a number of years. Back in 2004, while I was clinically obese, I tried to choreograph a show. And I was demonstrating a grand jeté, which is a big jump. And I kept demonstrating it higher and higher. And I came down, and there was a horrible sound, and I broke my foot in four places. And at that point, way back in 2004, this is 2018 now, I realized that I could not continue to keep exercising and eating the way I was because it wasn't working. I was staying overweight, and also I I was weak, and I wasn't in proper condition. And so I had to find a different way of eating and training so that I could live the life that I wanted to live and continue to be a creative individual. That didn't happen until four years later. I started a sugar-free and ultimately ketogenic nutritional lifestyle. And then I did discover turbulence training, which was less cardio, more resistance train, body weight resistance, And then I went on to add elements of dance and flexibility to this kind of training and have come up with uh, Catherine Training, which is my own method for helping you to get lean, stay strong, and then also retain the flexibility and balance that a dancer needs. So today, what I'm sharing with you is the 10 things that I wanted to know when I started my weight loss journey. So when I get up in the morning, uh, a friend of mine, an online friend, has written uh, written a journal book, literally called "A Morning Business Meeting with God." It was very interesting. You sit down with this book and you you, you kind of let um, let the spirit move you and listen, and from there decide what your workday is going to be. And the question that came up when I was doing my morning med- meditation and my morning writing is, how can I help? How can I help the people who want to get lean out in the world? And what would I want to know if I was starting this journey? 
So these are the 10 elements that I have picked, and I've brought them down to one word. They're not necessarily in order, but they are in an order that makes sense to me. And so I'm going to go take each of the elements in depth one at a time with each podcast. So today I am going to start with sugar, but here are the 10 elements. They are sugar, grains, endurance, water, cooking, simplicity, preparation, reward, service, and abundance. And so I will go much more deeply into all of those elements. I will do a podcast of each of the elements. And the element I'm going to start with today is number one, sugar. Interestingly enough, when I was eight or nine years old, that was around the time that I began to realize that I was overweight, that there was something wrong with my body. My parents took me to the pediatrician, and he said that I was overweight, and I was put on my first diet. And at that time, my sisters were riding horses, and I got a pony, and my pony's name was Sugar. And I do remember there's a picture of me sitting on that pony, and I wasn't really fat, but I, my belly was kind of sticking out. And I had this white shirt with purple polka dots, and I'll never forget that picture because right around eight or nine years old, I was going into the transition realizing that there was something about my body that wasn't quite quite right and that it was the assessment from other people around me that I was too round. And so at that point, my parents eliminated things like eggs and bacon and um roast beef, and they they took a lot of the things out of my eating plan that actually I found very nourishing and satisfying and that kept me full, and I ended up eating things like breakfast cereal and, and, you know, sugar-sweetened yogurts and um, sugar, let's see, not sugar-free, but things that were more of a low-fat diet, and I found that I was essentially hungry all the time. My, my doctor also had me start calorie counting. So um, at eight or nine years old, when I was still growing, I was living literally with constant hunger. And I literally can remember sneaking downstairs at night when everyone else was watching TV and getting hunks of cheese because I do feel like you know, I was craving in the evenings, you know, something substantial, something to nourish me. And those were the things I was craving to nourish me. But when I, would, when I would eat because I was sad or because I was scared or because I was lonely, then I would reach for things like um, cookies and chips, which, of course, they tried to hide from me and keep away from me. So what I would do is I would just binge on literally white Weber bread. It's like nobody thought to hide the bread or the rolls. But I think, as you and I both know, that those foods, the minute you chew them, they literally break right down to sugar, to glucose in the bloodstream, which then raises insulin, which then also raises appetite. I want to suggest that you get a book called Why We Get Fat, written by Gary Hobbs. And it has an amazing description of how those of us who have the gift for storing food as fat, and I have that gift, how we do appear to be metabolically different from people who are naturally slender. And my sister, who did not have a weight problem, say you served both of us a turkey sandwich. She would eat her turkey sandwich, feel full, feel energetic, and go on with her day. I would eat my turkey sandwich. The bread in that sandwich would raise my insulin, correct? All of the food 
that I would be eating because of my high insulin levels would get stored as fat because that's what insulin does. Insulin is a growth and storage hormone. The food I would eat would get stored as fat, and there I would be full but starving and off looking for another sandwich. My sister, normal carbohydrate sensitivity, normal insulin sensitivity, she could eat that turkey sandwich and be off and doing her thing. So number one is sugar. And if you are like me and you you crave it and you can't stop eating it, and when you do eat it, you store it as fat and you stay hungry, you need to find a way to pull it out of your diet. Now, here's my caveat. I can't tell you what to eat. I literally can't. I'm an ACE certified uh, fitness nutrition specialist. My scope of practice only allows me to refer you to the USDA guidelines and the guidelines for healthy eating. And I can tell you how to eat according to the government guidelines. That's what I'm allowed to do as a professional. So I can't tell you what to eat, but I can tell you what I eat. So this is my disclaimer because what I'm about to tell you is my solution to my overweight and obesity as an individual as opposed to as a professional because I do think that what we are seeing as we go forward and what I want to promote is the idea and the theory and it needs more research that those of us who have the ability to store a significant amount of fat meaning those of us who have been more than 50 pounds over their, over what would be considered a top healthy weight, I believe that we are metabolically different than people who never have this issue. And I believe that that metabolic difference is a difference in carbohydrate sensitivity or carbohydrate tolerance and a difference in insulin sensitivity. So from a practical point of view, what do we do and what do we eat? And as I said, I can't tell you what to eat, but I certainly am going to tell you what I eat. And what worked for me was the elimination of sugar and grains and processed vegetable oils, and also the elimination of high sugar fruits and any foods that tended to increase my appetite instead of satisfying my appetite. So for today, I'm going to stick with sugar because this is podcast number one in this series, the top 10 fat loss keys or tips or strategies that have helped me on my journey. And number one is sugar, eliminating sugar. And so pardon the simplicity, but when you ask, how do I stop eating sugar? The answer is to eat something else. And for me, I'm going to be very honest with you. That means the right amount of protein, the right amount of fat, and a pretty good abundance of vegetables that grow above the ground. So this is your green leafies. These are your bright peppers. Uh, I do eat some carrots and some onions, but that's not the bulk of the vegetables I eat. But think about purple cabbage and avocados and spinach and radicchio and romaine lettuce. All of the vegetables that grow above the ground, not necessarily green. you got some purple ones in there and some reds and some yellows. Um, I do uh, summer squash and these kinds of foods. And I find that this keeps my menu, it keeps it interesting enough, but not so interesting that I go overboard. One of the things that I've noticed as a trainer and as a coach is that I can kind of tell 
when my clients are really, really going to really go for it and have wonderful success, because in general, they, they tend not to complain too much about boredom or about generally eating the same kinds of foods. Many people that I have worked with, especially women over, over 50, by the time they get to me as a personal trainer, they've been through the diet mill for so long that they really are ready to surrender the idea that they're going to be able to eat whatever they want. A lot of diets are promoted by saying this, you're never going to be hungry and you're not going to have to give up your favorite foods. Now, if that is possible for you, I'm so happy for you. And I want you to be able to do that. And very, very often the program that allows people to simply change their portion sizes and allows them to continue all to eat all of their favorite foods is Weight Watchers. And I literally say to my clients who come to me and people who come to me for help, I say, go ahead and try Weight Watchers first. It's probably one of the most convenient, economical, lifestyle easy programs that you can do. And if it works for you, then then why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do a program that allows you to eat all of your favorite foods? What I do and my program, which is what finally worked for me after literally decades of being overweight and years of being obese, was sugar freedom, was the total elimination of sugar and grains and processed vegetable oil. But if you don't have to eliminate those, go ahead See if you can do portion portion control or do a point system. See if it works for you. But if it doesn't, it's time to consider eliminating the foods that stimulate your appetite. So for me, and according to my research, what's happening with sugar is it's stimulating appetite, stimulating, you know, the dopamine and the serotonin, which are those wonderful biochemicals that make you say, wow, that tastes so good. I want to have some more of that. And also... It's raising insulin, which interestingly enough, also increases appetite. It is a storage hormone, allows you to store that food as fat or possibly as muscle if you're lifting weights enough. But very often, if you're over 40 and you're doing cardio, sugar might, uh, sugar might stimulate your appetite, but then the food might get stored as fat because, of course, we're, that's the endurance that we're getting to number three. My issue was also the exercise, the kinds of exercise that I was doing. They were doing two things. They were burning muscle and increasing appetite. So we're going to save that for week three, which is the endurance week. But the bottom line is, as we come to the close of this short, rather short podcast on number one, sugar, the idea is, is that the way to get off of sugar is to eat something else because what I have discovered is is that although I've talked to many people who have never been overweight who claim that the way to not crave something is to continue to eat it, well, I wish that was the case for me, but it isn't. In my experience, the way to eliminate cravings for something is to stop eating it. And so I have eliminated the obvious culprits, the cookies and cakes and pies and candies and sweets, but I have also eliminated the breads and the pastas and the potatoes and that turn into sugar. And then finally, the other thing that I have eliminated is the hidden sugars. 
the sugars that are slipped into yogurt. Did you know that there, there's even sugar in chicken broth? So, and, and often sugars that are called dextrose that are put into our seasonings. So as t- for sugar, the obvious, the processed sugar, those snack products that come in bags and boxes, eliminating the high sugar fruits as well, and then also eliminating the hidden sugars in processed foods and in processed seasonings. And by taking those sugars out of the diet, replacing them with the right amount of protein, simple natural fats, and the right amount of above-ground vegetables, including delicious things like salsa and avocados, and yes, I do eat bacon sometimes, that by replacing sugar with the satisfying foods that don't contain sugar, this is how I have found my road to permanent fat loss. And it is exciting because I overcame overweight and obesity permanently back in 2008. I reached a healthy, non-overweight, non-obese weight in May of 2008. So I am coming up on my 10-year anniversary of overcoming overweight and obesity. And a number of my clients are coming up. I started training people in 2012. So I have some clients who are coming up on their six-year anniversary of overcoming overweight and obesity. And so I am wishing the same thing for you, that you find your eating and training and relaxation and thinking strategy that's going to allow you to overcome overweight and obesity permanently and for good. If you are curious about exactly the way I ate to overcome overweight and obesity, you can get the program. It's only $19. It's available at sugarfreedom.com. If you buy the program, you're going to get some recipes, you're going to get food lists, you're going to get the strategy, and you're also going to be added to my email list. And you can get a hold of me, Catherine at sugarfreedom.com, if you have any issues or questions just get a hold of me, Catherine at sugarfreedom.com. Also, I do design fitness training programs. You can email me, Catherine at sugarfreedom.com, and just say that you want a training program. I will contact you with some questions. You answer simple questionnaire, and we can get um, a six-week training program out to you for just $50, which is a screaming deal and very effective. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining me here today on the Sugar Freedom Show. Join me again next week for episode number two on grains, continuing to get off of sugar and grains and processed vegetable oils in 2018 so that we can have the vibrant health and energy we want. Finally, wrapping up with, I'm Catherine Gordon saying, I can't tell you how to eat, but I can tell you how I eat. Take care and we'll see you next time or we'll talk to you next time here on the Sugar Freedom Show. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great day.